All right, so good morning, everybody. Welcome to Harvest Community Church. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Harvest, and I'm obviously not here. We're actually away this weekend, dropping off Nicole at college. She's a freshman. She's going to uh, Western Washington University. We're up in Bellingham, dropping her off this weekend, but I'm so glad that you're right here at Harvest Community Church, worshiping Jesus with us. I just want to mention a couple of things uh, before we dive into the Word of God. Uh, we're in between series right now. We've finished a series called Soul Care. Uh, we've spent a lot of weeks and months really diving into how to care well for the souls that God has given us and how much uh, He loves our souls. And, you know, the message we preached in that, that we start with love, we end with love, that will never end because it matters that we live in His love every single day. With that said, next Sunday, we're going to begin a brand new series. That new series will be called Masterclass. Uh, there's a thing online called Masterclass. You can watch a bunch of famous or celebrity types teach you how to do things. They break it down into steps. You know, those kinds of things. Masterclass, TED Talks, experts teaching you are all the rage. We're starting a new series called Masterclass because Jesus is the master teacher. And the series is really a series through some of his parables, you know, some of the stories Jesus told. And so I can't wait to dive into the Word of God with you this fall and discover what Jesus would teach us starting next Sunday. I sure hope you're planning to be here. Speaking of next Sunday, next Sunday after second service is also our back-to-school bash. This is a great opportunity to come back to church. If you've been out for a bit, maybe you've been gone for the summer, we'd love to see you this next coming Sunday. That said, if you've got friends that you've been thinking about inviting to come to Harvest, next Sunday would be great for that. The message uh, will speak right to them. I can promise you that. And then afterwards, we throw our back-to-school bash. There's food, right? There's, there's, there's food, there's drinks, there's fun. It's going to be a great time. We can't wait to reach out to all the families, all the kids in our community. We already have lots of families and lots of kids signing up. And I hope you're planning to help. In fact, we need all of Harvest to jump in and help out in some way. And so if you'd like to commit today to help, please talk with Rachel, talk with Julie. Uh, you can sign up on the welcome table. You can sign up on your communication card. We would love to hear from you. So with that said, I want to begin our message. If you have Bibles, you can open them to Luke chapter 5, where we're going to be in a little bit. Uh, but before we get there, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a dream or a goal or you've had something in mind that you wanted to achieve and someone told you, you can't do that? You ever been there? You can't do that. Now that might mean different things. You can't do that sometimes means, you know what? That dream is too big. You can't do that. Sometimes it means the dream is too big and you are too small. You can't possibly do that. Sometimes it means you can't do that. Don't come over here. It's wrong to do that. Sometimes it means you're nuts if you think that'll ever work. You can't do that. Sometimes it just means we think you're crazy. You can't do that. I was recently reading through our list of baptisms. We keep a running list of baptisms here at Harvest. I don't know if you know, but the 30th anniversary of the launch of Harvest Community Church is coming up next February. We're just months away. And so I was reading back through our list of baptisms and who we baptized over the years. And I just think about people here in the room that faces I get to see every single Sunday that are on that list. 
Frankly, I just smiled. I thought about all the times we've been out at the river and we've done baptisms and all the times that we've set up the holy hot tub here in the room and we've celebrated baptism. It's so exciting to think about the ways that Jesus came to change lives. So I've titled this, this Sunday, the sermon, something like Marching Orders. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes as I go into a new season, I just want to know, what are we really supposed to do? Like, give it to me straight. What is it we're really trying to achieve? What is it we're really after? I also called it something like, you can't do that for obvious reasons. It'll make sense as we go along today. Before we get to Luke chapter 5, I want to sum up a bit of Luke 4 to you. There was a moment where Jesus began his ministry. You might remember he went, uh, he went to Nazareth, where he went into the synagogue. And on this day, he read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant. He sat down and he said, the eyes of everyone in this, it, it says that the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, locked in on him. And he said to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, there's a lot going on there, and I'm not going to teach that, so I don't have time to unpack all of that. But let's just suffice it to say that Jesus was saying, I am the one God was going to send. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. And frankly, as he would later teach, I am God's Son. And he tells them that the kingdom of God has come near. It's really a reference to both time and space that the kingdom of God has come near because the king has come near, both in terms of time and space, that there's an opportune time right in front of them because the king is here, that there is an, a, a spatial opportunity in front of them because the physical, literal king is here. The kingdom of God has come near because the king of the kingdom has come near. And so Jesus is saying that he has come to bring good news, that he has come to announce that he is here to bring the kingdom of God to my heart. The rule of God, the kingdom, the rule, the reign of God, which, if you understand the Bible right, really is a reign of grace. That God's come to bring, Jesus himself has come to bring his reign, his grace to my life. And so there's various things. We're told to repent. We're told... This is how Jesus begins his ministry when you read all of the Gospels, that Isaiah is fulfilled in the hearing of the people in Nazareth and that Jesus has come to announce the beginning of the kingdom of God. And in Luke 5 and a couple other places, Matthew and Mark, you look at what Jesus does next, and it's super interesting because he, he largely begins to heal people. 
But as soon as he begins to heal people, you get people saying, you can't do that. I mean, let me just sum it up for you, okay? So Jesus announces that I am here, the king is here, and Jesus intentionally begins to go after people who are broken, people who are sinful, and frankly, people who know they are broken and sinful. And so Jesus finds some fishermen, and they're out fishing, literally, from their boats. And he walks along the shore, and he says, follow me. And he calls these stinky fishermen to be disciples who would follow him. And religious types are like, you can't do that. They're not qualified. They're not religious like us. You can't do that. And right after that story, Jesus encounters a man with leprosy. Leprosy is a, a highly contagious skin disease. Everybody knew you don't touch people with leprosy. In fact, lepers were outcasts. They were everywhere they went. They were supposed to announce their leprosy to make sure people would stay away. And Jesus came upon this man, and this man basically said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus touched the man with leprosy and healed him. And the religious leaders thought, you can't do that. You can't touch people with leprosy. If you knew what kind of man this was, you wouldn't want to touch him. You can't do that. And so then Jesus is making his way along, and he's teaching one day, and he's in a home, and some friends bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And there's this whole story about how they go up on a roof, and they make, and literally they unroof the roof, they make a hole in the roof, they lower their friend down right in front of Jesus, and everybody's expecting Jesus to heal this man, which he eventually does. But Jesus says to the man, looking at their friends and all of their faith, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders go, you can't do that. Only God can do that. Jesus, yeah, exactly. And then Jesus says, but so that everyone knows that you are forgiven, I tell you to take up your mat and walk, right? He heals the man as proof that he has forgiven his sins as well. And then right after that, Jesus is walking along with some of his disciples and he sees a tax collector at his tax collecting booth. And tax collectors were the most hated people in society in that day. They were considered thieves because they would cheat people out of money. They were considered traitors because they served the Romans rather than just the Jewish people. And most everybody hated them. And Jesus finds this outcast who is a sinner like you and me, but who's been rejected and shunned by all of society, a lot like the leper. And he says, hey, follow me. He calls him to be a disciple. It says, it says that Levi or Matthew, depending on which, which book you're in, got up and left everything and followed him, just like those fishermen did. And Jesus told the fishermen, you might remember that I will make you into fishers of people. I will transform you. And so he does the same with Matthew. And so Matthew throws a party. And he invites all of his outcast friends. And Jesus sits down to a meal with them. And he loves on them. And he touches them. And he reaches them. And the religious people, the religious leaders are going nuts at this point. You can't do that. You know, today... 
Jesus is still doing all of those things you can't do. He's still calling the uncallable. He's still touching the untouchable. He's still forgiving the unforgivable. He's still loving the unlovable. He's still reaching the unreachable. I want to show you that as we study the word today. Really quickly, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Here's our, here's our outline. I mean, it's real simple. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came. He still calls the uncallable today. Luke 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this is the Sea of Galilee, another name for it, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Which is a pretty good word for us some days. I mean, just unrelated to this message. Some days we just have to obey Jesus because he said so. And when we do, God works miracles. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish, the nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. They had so many fish. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He knew he didn't deserve this, which is just the point. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And they pulled up their boats on shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. These were people who weren't at all qualified to be the disciple of a religious influencer, if you will. People who didn't have the training People who didn't have the background and listening to Simon didn't have the life. He's a sinful man. These are people who didn't deserve, they hadn't earned being called by God to be the disciples, frankly, not the leaders they would later become, of a new kingdom of God movement among the world. But Jesus called the uncallable then, and he still calls the uncallable today. Why did Jesus come? Well, number two, Jesus came to touch the untouchable, and he still touches the untouchable. Keep reading, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground. Kind of a common experience when people meet the real Jesus and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man who had leprosy. Again, you couldn't do this. This man was required everywhere he goes to make sure that people stayed far away, to not get within a certain distance of people, to announce unclean, unclean everywhere he went. You can imagine the rejection he felt, the shun he felt from all of society. Jesus comes along and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And it says, 
that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing to be clean. Hear that grace. Because that grace is still good for you right here today. Jesus still touches the untouchable. And he loves you. And people are going to say, you can't do that. You can't ask Jesus to clean you. But he still does today. And people will say to Jesus, you can't touch people like that. But he still does today because Jesus loves us. Immediately the leprosy left him and he ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests. This was a testimony to the temple, to the priests, the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing is a testimony to them. And yet the news spread about him all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and the crowds came to be healed of their sicknesses. And Jesus often, because people were pressing in so much, practiced soul care. He withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus still touches the untouchable today. Number three, why Jesus come? He came to forgive the unforgivable, and Jesus still forgives the unforgivable today. Verse 17, one day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there, and they'd come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus, but they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. And they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. This is a beautiful picture. I love this story. I've taught on it many times over the years. Literally, in the various versions of this story in the Gospels, it tells us that they untiled the tiles, or they unroofed the roof. They were willing to do whatever it takes to get their friend in front of Jesus. I hope that that's us as a church, that this picture, as much as any other in the Bible, would be the picture of us as a church. When Jesus saw their faith, the friend's faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus knew what they were thinking because he's God in the flesh. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately the man stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed. And they gave praise to God, and they were fulfilled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things today. Everyone except the religious leaders who were still stuck on, you can't do that. You can't forgive the unforgivable. <laughs> Forgiveness is interesting. Actually, as we go into our series on Masterclass, we will teach more details about what forgiveness is and how forgiveness works and how we all need to be better at forgiving each other forgiving everyone. But for now, let's just say that a forgiveness is, is when a wrong has been 
pardoned. It's been cleansed. It's been covered over. It's been taken away and sent away. That the debt that was owed has been canceled, if you want a picture of it. You know, canceling debts is in the conversation these days. But I want to point out to you that Jesus didn't just cancel the debt. He paid for it with his life. The debt, the one Simon owed, the one the leper owed, the one this man owed was a debt of sin that he could not pay. And I owe the same debt I can't pay. But Jesus paid it for me to forgive me, to cancel the debt. That's powerful. Jesus still forgives the unforgivable. Why did Jesus come? Well, Jesus came to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable. And he still calls us, you and I today, to love the unlovable so that he can reach the unreachable. That's number four, by the way. Verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up and left everything and followed him. And if there'd have been any religious leaders there, they'd have thought, you can't do that. And Levi held a great banquet, a great party for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others, others being a term for outcasts, for other sinners, for his friends, all the other rejects of society. We're eating with them, with Jesus, and eating a meal with someone in that day was considered a warm sign of welcome and fellowship. It was considered a sign of love, of intimacy. And so it says, verse 30, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is saying, these people all know they're sick. They all know they've been rejected. They all know they're broken. They were willing to come to Jesus and say, heal me, forgive me, love me, touch me, make me whole. And Jesus still does that today. They said, you can't do that. And Jesus said, watch me. I think a lot of times when we as a church think about how to point our community towards Jesus, we think about how to, frankly, how to argue people into the kingdom. But Jesus didn't argue these people into the kingdom. He loved them. He forgave them. He healed them. He walked with them. You see, winning arguments is about being right, convincing someone you're right, they're wrong. But winning people is about loving right. And I think if we love right, we don't need to argue as much. Now, it's sad to me when churches today become accidental or even intentional Pharisees, teachers of the law. 
There's a subtle danger that the more we begin to love the word of God, the more we begin to think, yeah, I'm not like those people. Jesus blows all that love those people, all, all that judgment that goes with those people. Jesus blows that out of the water. And so here at Harvest, we love outcasts. We're not here to create them. Who did Jesus come for? He came for all people who know they're sick, all people who know they're sinners, all people who know they're broken. And frankly, what happens when, that, when, he, when he accepts them and loves them and gives them grace and calls them to follow him is his light begins to shine through our brokenness. And that's how we're going to impact Eugene and Springfield. I guess what I'm trying to get at today is that Jesus still do, does all of this. In fact, if I were to sum it up and give you the one thing, it's really just a repeat of the outline that Jesus still calls the uncallable. That's us. Jesus still calls the uncallable to touch the untouchable. Don't misunderstand. We mean that in appropriate ways. Jesus still calls the uncallable to touch the untouchable, to forgive the unforgivable. Jesus still calls the uncallable to touch the untouchable, to forgive the unforgivable, to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable. I was looking at some stats the other day. They say that in 2022, our county has grown to about 389,000 people that a few years down the road, we'll pass 400,000 people in population. Now, I know our county is huge, and some of those people live over on the coast. That's all good, great. We have partners over there who work to reach them. But a lot of those folks live right here in the southern Willamette Valley, and many of them would consider themselves, on one hand, people who don't believe in God, but a lot of them would consider themselves people who don't deserve to believe in God. They would think of themselves as unlovable, as untouchable, as unforgivable, as unreachable. And my challenge to us is will we just love them? And will we love them to Jesus? Let's be that kind of church that kind of church. So I want to challenge you just to be practical right here, right now. I want you to write down two names. Ask God for two names of two people that you need to love towards Jesus. Start praying for them. Start loving on them. Two names, two people you need to start loving towards Jesus. And in the coming months, coming weeks, you might invite them to harvest. You might invite them next week to our back-to-school bash. You might invite them to come to our worship services. You might invite them to worship online. But do it all, praying for them and loving them. And you say, I don't know if I can do that. Jesus still calls the uncallable. People who think, I can't do that. Jesus still uses people just like you and me. People like Simon, people like Matthew. So as we end today, I really want us to think about 
how do we plug in in these coming weeks? Because this new series is going to give us great opportunities to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable. And so I want to ask you, have you made the shift in your heart from Jesus came to reach me, and that's great, to Jesus came to reach everyone? Has there been that shift where your eyes are back off of you and on to others? And I want you to ask yourself, who do I need to love more? In fact, in the series, we'll talk about breaking down what that love is. But who do I need to love more? Who are the neighbors I need to love? Who are the coworkers I need to love? Who in my family do I need to love more? Who are the friends that need Jesus? I want you to ask yourself, who can I invite to Jesus not just to church. Who can I share my story with? And I want you to ask yourself, who can I serve? And frankly, with our church, how can I serve? You know, we have a number of teams that will work to be growing this fall. Teams that help serve and reach kids. Teams that help serve and reach teenagers. Teams that help our worship and our online worship, teams that help small groups and help people plug in and connect and grow in their faith. We have teams that think about mission and serve the homeless in our community, teams that partner with Monroe Middle School and think about how we serve school kids in our community, teams that partner to do things like mission trips and serve others around the world. How can you plug in and serve? to be a part of this movement of the kingdom of God that reaches the unreachable, that loves the unlovable, that forgives the unforgivable. A few years back, I took all of our leaders on a retreat, or at least those that could make it. And we sat and looked at maps and demographics of the Southern Willamette Valley. And at the time, it was a little smaller, but still 300 and, you know, 300 some thousand people. And as we looked at the maps, we asked, how much of that is our assignment? And our leaders said, all of it, all of them, all of the people. So how about we get after it? I know COVID's been a pain. And I know that sometimes we look around at other churches and think, well, they're reaching people and they're preaching. I, I promise you. On most Sunday mornings, the vast, vast majority of Eugene and Springfield are not connected to a church at all, and they're frankly not even thinking about it. So how can we reach these folks? What do we need to do in hospitality ministries to reach these folks? What do we need to do with groups and caring and connecting to reach them? What is it we can do to disciple and grow up and duplicate leaders so that we can reach more people? What do we need to do in our worship services so that there's more room for more people? Because I'm honest with you, right? We've got seats in the room today, but as momentum picks up and we begin to reach more people, these seats will fill up. What is it we need to do? I want to remind you that our leaders have gotten together recently, and we've really talked about four priorities for this fall. Four priorities. And you're a part of those priorities. Number one, we want to double our number of guests in the coming year. We want to double the number of guests we had last year as we go into this year, in the coming year. We can't do that without you. 
That presumes that you're inviting folks and you're bringing folks. Please do that. We want to double those number of guests. Number two, we want to strengthen our ministry to the University of Oregon and to Bushnell and to Lane Community College. We want to partner and strengthen with Northwest Collegiate Ministries and do all we can to reach the mission field right at our doorstep. And so we want to, and by the way, if you're here and you're a college student, man, we're super excited to have you here. And we want to reach more of you. We want to do what we can to come alongside and strengthen that college ministry. Number three, we want to strengthen our ministry to younger families. And so we want to improve, strengthen, grow, whatever you want to call it, what we do with babies and with toddlers, with elementary school age kids, with teenagers, with our youth group, and all those next generation ministries. We want to reach them in even better ways. And Julie's been brainstorming a lot. We've been talking a lot. And we're excited to strengthen that. But we need you for that. We need your help. And number four, we want to increase and strengthen our energy and worship. You know, COVID was kind of a suppressing, depressing kind of thing. And seeing people sort of disappear had that suppressing, depressing effect. And our team does a great job of leading us in worship, but we want to bring more energy to what we do because we want to honor God passionately. We want to love our neighbors passionately because Jesus still calls the uncallable, still touches the untouchable, still forgives the unforgivable, still loves the unlovable, and still calls us to do all of that so that he can reach the unreachable. Will you join in? Will you commit today to be just that kind of church? By the way, again, next Sunday, we're expecting hundreds of kids and their families right here on our campus have you signed up to help with that and be a part of that? Maybe you'd commit today in the broad sense to plug in and say, I'm in. I'm pray for two people. How can I help? How can I serve? And in a specific sense, will you help next Sunday? We always end our services with two prayers. One is a prayer of salvation. The second is a prayer of application. If you need Jesus today, he came to love you, forgive you, call you. Would you just follow him? Just like, like Matthew or like Peter, Simon, would you just leave behind what he's going to take from you? Your sins? And abandon all your false illusions of what life's really about and embrace him and walk with him and follow him? If you'd like that today, would you pray with me? You can right here, right now. Dear Jesus, Please forgive my sins. Make that personal for me. And Jesus, help me to leave everything and follow you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I turn to you. I believe that you're not dead today. You're alive and you're God in the flesh. And so I ask you to take over my life. Be my God. Love what's unlovable in me. Forgive what's unforgivable in me. And make me more like you, Jesus. I pray in your name. 
If that's you, I'd love to know it. We celebrate that in big ways here at Harvest. You can let me know by emailing me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. You can let me know on a communication card or a digital communication card. You can tell somebody, but just let us know. We want to celebrate that. Likewise, I always end with a prayer of application. A lot of us prayed to follow Jesus a number of years ago. If you have already prayed to follow Jesus, but you would commitment with me today to be this kind of church and say, yes, that's us. Would you pray this prayer of application with me, dear Jesus? Thank you that you loved me when I was unlovable and that you still call the uncallable to touch the untouchable. So help us to forgive the unforgivable and help us to love the unlovable and help us to reach the unreachable. Show me specifically two people that I can love towards you, Jesus. Show me how I can serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I can't wait till next Sunday. It's going to be a great day, right? I mean, we're, we're gathering together. We're beginning our new series, Masterclass. We have the Back to School Bash. I just can't wait to see you next week. And in the meantime, remember, you're loved.